Hey, we're glad to have you here with us today at One Chapel. We're a church in Lake Travis that helps people move from where they are to where God wants them to be. You can learn more about One Chapel and the things God is doing here at onechapel.com. Now, here's this week's message. My name is Logan Schwant, and I am the youth and children's pastor here at One Chapel Lake Travis, and I'm super excited to share a little bit of my heart. We're in this great series that we're calling James. We're going through the book of James. We've already had three amazing ones, and this is the fourth week, and it's James chapter 3, and this is, this is a fun chapter. This is a heavy chapter, but we're going to bring it to life here this afternoon. Russ has the privilege. Russ is actually, he probably just finished right now speaking um, at our I call it my home church, the church that I'm from, the church I grew up in. He went back to Wisconsin, did a wedding last night, and he had the opportunity to speak to the Jefferson campus in, in, uh, in Wisconsin this morning. So he's not with us, but he's with us in spirit, and, and we're still going to keep this series moving along. And so James chapter 3, verses 1 through 12, we are in this here. So not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue, we praise our Father and our Lord, and with it, we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce water. Man, these 12 verses are heavy. They weigh on us a lot. And don't worry, we, we went through this, this series in our youth group uh, a, few, a few months ago. And I made, them, I, I made them, we were on the tongue, and I made them sit in groups and, and tell somebody good things about the other person for two minutes. And it's like the longest two minutes of your life. Because I, I, want, I want you just to think of that right now. Can you turn to the person next to you? So turn to the person next to you and say, I can talk good about you for two minutes. Okay, now turn to the person that you like least, right? The other person, the person that you don't like as much. And I'll say, I, I think I can talk about you good for two minutes. Russ told me I couldn't do that. Um, I'm a little disappointed. He told me I couldn't do that because it might, it might, you know, cause some fights between married couples and things like that. But, but, that, but that's okay. So, so I was thinking about this James chapter three, and, and you know, I was on my way to the gym, you know, because I work out a lot, you know, get all big. You know, there's an inside joke here between me and myself that that Pastor Dan he only works out to look like me. You know, he's he's got little legs and little, you know, he, he needs. So if you see him after service, go tell him he needs to lift 
a lot more, a lot more. So, but anyways, um, I was, I was, I was at the gym and, and I was thinking about this and, and there, a thought came to me because see, if you go to the gym, there's three types of people that you see at the gym, right? Right. The first type of person is the one who is, who's 30 years old and still in high school, right? It's always a dude. And he's, he's sitting there and you can find him in one of two places. Either number one, he's, he's at the bicep curls, right? And he's just sitting there in front of the mirror, just looking at himself going, yeah, yeah, 100, 101. And he's just sitting there doing curls all day, curls for the girls. The other place that you can find him is, is taking up the most machines he possibly can at one time. Usually this is like on the fly rack, right? He's sitting there in the middle. He's like, because he wants the most people to see his just raging muscles inside of him, right? So, that, so that's one person. The other person is usually an older gentleman. Now, now, older ladies never have this issue. They always know exactly what they're doing. They are amazing in the gym, but, but older gentlemen, sometimes they, they're like, you'll have the Energizer Bunny, right? And they're just crazy. They don't do any weight, but they use as many machines at one time as possible, right? So they just, they sit there and they do the, the shoulder. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, here we go. Five. Oh, awesome. And then they run over and they like, they, they sprint inside the, the gym and they do the legs and they're like, <laughs> and then they, they run to something else and they're like, <laughs> and they're just, they're just kind of all over the place. You'll always see at least one of those people at the gym. And, and the third person that you will always see at the gym is, is uh, the Kardashians, Okay, you'll always find the Kardashians. They only go to one place. There's only one place that the Kardashians go, and that's the stair stepper. All right? They're on the stair stepper. They're going like this. Oh, yeah. They hog the stair stepper for the whole time that they're in the gym. And every once in a while, you'll see them. They'll turn around. They'll be like, ooh, it's working. And they'll just keep going. They're like, yeah, this is for the boys. The boys are going to like Those are like the three people that you run into the gym. You know, but, but how in the world does this relate to James? Uh, I don't know. But uh, no, for real, there's one, there's one kind of unwritten rule about going to the gym. And, and that rule is that you never say what's on your mind, right? Because, like, if you go to the gym, like, you have a lot of, I mean, there's, like, two great places to people watch, the gym and Walmart, right? Those are the two people watching places. It's just glorious, but, but you never, there's, like, an unwritten rule that you don't say what's on your mind. And, and, and it, we've even made up our own language in the gym, right? It's almost like a prehistoric language because you don't actually use words because everybody just has headphones on. So, like, if you want to, like, use somebody else's machine, you go, who, uh, are you, who, mm? and then you go, uh-huh, oh, okay, and then you go and use it. You know, it's like, it's like your own language. So if you don't know what I'm talking about, you should probably go to the gym um, because you'll, you'll learn all of these things. But, so what, what in the world, this gave me hope, though. This gave me hope because it showed me that we can control our mouths. Because it showed me, because when you're sitting there in the gym, you cannot help but judge everybody else in the gym. Either you're saying, man, they are so much stronger than me. I am just so weak. I don't know what to do. Um, Or you're like, that dude does not know what he's doing. He's going to hurt himself. I need to put this on YouTube because it's going to go viral. Or or you're you're thinking something. You're, You're thinking something, but yet we have the ability to control what comes out of our mouths. And I, I, think, I think James is kind of saying we should probably go to the gym more often. Because here in these verses, James is talking about the power of our tongue and what we use our tongue for. And this is a huge thing because we all love to talk. Every single one of us, whether you're shy or an extreme extrovert, 
There's times where we love to talk. Some of us, it's in different places. For me, I like to talk at work. I go home. I don't like to talk, right? We, we, we delegate it. Some people love to talk at home. Some people hate to talk at work. But, but we all love to talk. And men, you know, we talk a lot. Men say 20,000 words a day. That's a lot of words, isn't it? I'm like on 19,000, so I got to finish this message real quick. Um, we say 20,000 words, but guess what, women? Women... Studies say you say 30,000 words a day, right? We use a lot of words, and, and there's a lot of talking going on, so we need, to, we need to watch what we have. We have this natural ability, too, to say the wrong thing. Who's ever said the wrong thing at the wrong time, right? We have a natural ability to say the wrong thing, and, and this sometimes can get us in a lot of trouble. But James gives us three reasons why we have to learn to manage our mouth. Number one, my tongue directs where I go. Your, your tongue has tremendous influence over your life. First, he relates this to a bit in a horse's mouth. In verse 3, he says, When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. I grew up on a horse farm, so I'm very familiar with this. Has anybody ever heard of dressage? Anybody? My mom rode dressage at a pretty high competitive level. So, I mean, it's crazy what you can do to a horse just by steering them. You know, you can make them skip. You can make them skip backwards. You can, like, I've seen people make their horse sit down like a dog and then stand up and stand on a top. You can make a horse do a lot of things just by a little bit in its mouth. Right? And the second analogy that he uses, he says, um, it's like a rudder on a ship. Verse 4, or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Does anybody know the math, ma mathematical calculation for how large a rudder should be on a ship? First service, no cheating. Anybody? So, okay, I'll inform you. I'm, I'm surprised nobody knew that. No, I'm just kidding. So here's, here's the deal. You take the linear area of the amount of ship that is underwater. Okay, so not, not what's above water, not what you can see, only what is above or only what is underwater, and you take 1% of that, and that is the size of your rudder, which, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. So it's like the, the ship is almost 300 times larger than just the little tiny rudder. It's it's crazy to think about that that small of a thing can control where a ship goes, and this is what James compares it to. And, and, and some of you guys may not be up on your captain skills and things like that, and maybe you haven't grown up with horses like I. So, so here's a bike. I think we all, we all know how to ride a bike. And, and I, wanna, I think there's something really powerful about this visual of even, even just a bike because we have the power to ride this bike, right? We all have, le we have legs that we can power through this bike. We have the strength. We, it takes our whole body to ride this bike, right? We, we need to be able to see where we're going. We need to be able to use our arms to control. We need to be able to use our legs to make it. But, but if you took the handlebars off this bike, it doesn't matter how much power you have because the bike is not going to go anywhere. Without direction, power has no influence. And here's the thing, we just finished this great series on the Holy Spirit, right? We're just coming out of this series on the Holy Spirit where we taught that you have the power, the resurrection power of Jesus living inside of you. We have that power inside of us, but without direction, how much power do we have? 
So, so I want to make a case that, that our tongue, James is saying that our tongue is the avenue for the flow of the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Right? Without control, power means nothing. So it's really important that we control, that we control our tongue. So number two, reason number two, my tongue can destroy what I have. Verse five, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. James is saying our tongues are like a spark that can start a great forest fire. Now, you guys know this in Texas, right? We always have the burn bans and things like that. Well, in Wisconsin, we didn't. Okay, we had fun in Wisconsin. We would have huge, massive bonfires all the time at my parents' house. It was crazy. We lived in the country. We could do whatever we wanted to. And, but anyways, I worked a job for about two years where I was the field manager for a logging company. Has anybody ever worked for a logging company? Hey, we have a logger in here. First service didn't have one. It's not a fun job, right? I, I mean, I, I don't think it's that fun. But anyways, one thing that you do when you're working for a logging company, you burn a lot of stuff. Because you just have a lot of extra wood laying around that you need to clean up. And the easiest way to clean it up is just to set it on fire. And, and, and so we, we one time, I was working, I had to leave early, but we had a fire going. And I specifically told um, the people who were working for me, I said, make sure that when you leave, this fire is out. All right, those were my famous last words on this day. Because at 11 o'clock, I got a call from my boss saying, hey, the wood pile's on fire. So what we had is we had 10,000 bundles of firewood on our property. And, and, and so to give you guys a little visual of this, the fire would have been like about where I was standing or maybe, maybe a little further away. But it was about where I was standing. And then let's just say this first row of chairs was where the bundles began to be stacked up. And they were stacked up way beyond the last row of chairs in this room. Stacked up way higher than you could reach. All of these bundles of firewood. And what happened is the wind blew this little tiny spark from this fire late at night, and it blew it all the way to the back of the pile. This part didn't burn, but it blew it all the way to the back of the pile, and one little spark lit all of our bundles of firewood on fire. And let me tell you, I don't know if you've ever seen 10,000 bundles of firewood burn, but it is really hard to put out. We had a $94,000 fire department bill. Um, thank goodness for insurance, but it's crazy what one little small spark can do. It can start a wildfire, and we know that all too well here in Texas, right? But here's the thing. James is saying a careless word can destroy a life. One small spark. A careless word can destroy a life, and it can destroy it in a split second. You know, I, I grew up, and, and I'm so, so thankful for my parents. I grew up in church. My dad was the lead elder. My mom was on the worship team. They're, they're still in the same position today. They've been for the last 25 years. They loved me. They, they supported me. They gave me everything that I needed. I had absolutely no reason to complain. But when I got to college, I started being a little bit of a knucklehead. And, and there was a moment, there was a moment where my mom told me something. Um, you see, because I guess me being a little bit of an idiot was putting some stress on my parents. Parents, we've probably been there before. And, but, but my mom told me, she said one day, she said, you don't know what you're doing to your dad. And she, she meant it in love, right? Because she was stuck. She was stuck between my dad, who was like, what in the world is my son doing? And she was like, I want to love you, but at the same time, I have to love your dad, but you don't know how you're hurting him. 
You don't know how you're hurting them. And let me tell you, that one sentence changed my life, and it still affects me to this day. Because from that moment on, I was like 19 years old. From that moment on, I did not believe for a second that anybody in this world was proud of me. From that one sentence, I felt like there was no way that anybody could be proud of me because I was a failure. And, and, and to this day, Haley tells me all the time, Logan, I'm proud of you. And she knows that that's something that's rooted inside of me. I talk about it with my catalyst group all the time, that this is a root in me, and it's because of one sentence that meant no harm. My mom was trying to raise me. My mom was trying to love me. It wasn't her fault at all, but it was something in me that struck. It's crazy what a single word can do to change the course of your life. And it's something that I've had to go through a lot with God. Over the last couple years, I was just being like, okay, God, I know you love me. I know you've created me this way. And my dad tells me he's proud of me all the time. And, but it's a struggle. It's a fight. I have to choose to believe it because of one sentence. Right? Proverbs 18.20 says, you have to live with the consequences of everything that you say. You can say something that you didn't mean to have any harm, but it can destroy others. Right? And it's like a chain reaction. What happens when one spark starts a small fire? It usually grows. Right? So you yell at somebody because you're a little upset, and that will spread. Then that person will yell at somebody, and then that person will yell at somebody, and it will just keep growing. Proverbs 21, 23 says, if you want to stay out of trouble, be careful with what you say. So number three, my tongue displays who I am. This is an important one. My tongue displays who I am. In other words, what comes out of my mouth reveals what my character is. And James says that is evidenced by how cons inconsistent we are in our speech. So verses 9 through 10, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. You know, James says, the highest use of your mouth, the greatest thing that we can do with our mouths is to use it to praise God. And so that's why worship is so important. It's declaring something over us. It's declaring who we are. It's bringing out the praises to God. But James also says at the very same time, we can come to church and we can sing praises and we can get in our car and yell at our kids. With the same mouth that we sing praises, the same mouth we curse others. And that is not how it should be. That's what James is saying. It's amazing how quickly our attitudes can change. And James says the reason why we struggle so much with an inconsistent tongue is because what is going on inside of us. Verse 11 through 12. Can both fresh and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives? Or a grapevine bear fruit? or bare figs, neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. The point James is making is that whatever is in the well comes out in the water. Whatever is in the tree comes out in the fruit. You see, so our problem is not really our tongues. What our problem really is, is our hearts. It's an issue of the heart. What is inside will eventually come out. How many of you guys ever heard that excuse? You see it all the time in news. 
Or maybe you've used this before, right? We probably all have. I, I, don't, I didn't mean that. That's really not who I am. Like, I didn't mean to say that. Like, that, that doesn't represent my character. Like, that, that's not who I am. I am so sorry. Has anybody ever heard that excuse? Well, you know what James is saying right here? James is saying he would look him in the face and he'd say, you're a liar. You're a liar because what is in your heart comes out. So that is who you are. That is what is inside. It's not an accident what our tongue speaks. It shows, it shows what's inside. And Jesus said in Matthew 12, 34, he says, For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. It's the things of our heart that determine our words. So which means that if I have a problem with my tongue, it's much more serious than maybe I originally thought. Because I not only have a problem with my tongue, but I have a heart problem. So I want you guys to see this chart. So a person with a harsh tongue has an angry heart. A person with a negative tongue has a fearful heart. A person with an overreactive tongue has an unsettled heart. A person with a boasting tongue has an insecure heart. A person with a filthy tongue has an impure heart. And a person who is critical all the time has a bitter heart. And so, so I, I, don't believe, I don't believe that James is uncovering these things in us, right? This is a heavy chapter. There's very, like, little super encouraging things. James literally says that your tongue is a fire, and that fire is straight from hell. That is, that is what I don't, there's not very much encouraging about this. And I don't think that James meant it to just convict us all, to just condemn us all. So we just feel like, oh, man, my tongue, I need to work on it. I need a new heart. That's not really what James is saying. But James wants to unearth something in you. He wants to reveal all the little cracks and the crevices of your heart. He wants to dig in there and he says, I want you to be more like God. I want you to be closer to Jesus. I want to dig these things up. So we're not, we're not just talking about these ideas just to be like, hey, we need to watch what we say. No more saying these bad things. We just need to be better people. Just walk out of here. Try a little harder. Try to be a little nicer to your kids. Be a little nicer to your parents. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, I want you to dig deep. I want you to dig into a new well. I want you to get a new wineskin so that you can be changed, so that we can grow closer to God. I'm not uncovering it to condemn you. I'm uncovering it so you can heal. This is where, this is where James is. So what is the solution? What is the solution? Number one, we need to get a new heart. We need to get a new heart. Ezekiel 18, 31. Rid yourselves of all the offenses you have committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. Leave it behind. Rid yourselves of it. Shake it off. Jesus died for it. It is finished. It is over. It is behind you. Now let's walk in our new body. Psalm 51.10, David says, Create in me a clean heart, O God. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Just like David, we need to pray for a new heart. And you know, I had, a, I had an experience like this at a very young age. I was in eighth grade. It was almost the summer. I was telling my mom a story from school. I remember we were walking through my backyard. I could go to the exact same spot that this happened. And I was, I was talking to my mom, and I was telling her a story of what happened at school. And you see, in eighth grade, you think it's cool to swear. Like it's something that, that brings you, you know, whatever. I don't know, I don't know what it is. But you think it's cool if you swear at school and you swear with your friends. But here, I almost swore with my mom. And let me tell you, if I swore in front of my mom, that would not be a good scene for me. Like, like but I, I almost let it slip, and my mom knew it. My mom knew what was 
about to come out of my mouth. And listen, in that moment, in that instant, I was convicted because I saw what was inside of me. I saw that I was doing it for evil. The words that I was speaking, I was doing it to, to make me feel better, to make me feel more powerful, to fit in. I was doing it for, I saw what my heart was. I saw where I was, and, and let me tell you, in that instant, in that moment, my heart changed. And, and I, can, I can honestly stand up here and say, I, I've done a lot of stupid stuff. I've done a lot of bad things. Like, I am not a perfect person at all, but I have not sworn since that moment because my heart changed. James is saying we need a new heart. We need to be set free from, from the things that are holding us down in the wicked ways inside of us. And we need a new heart. Number two, ask God for help every day. Psalm 141, verse 3 says, Set a guard over my mouth, O Lord. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Every day, we need to ask God to help us watch what our mouths say. And getting into God's word is so important for this. How many of you guys ever heard, garbage in, garbage out? Right? What we put into us is going to come out. So if we put in things of this world, if we put in the garbage that we hear at school, if we put in the garbage that we hear at our work, if we put in the garbage in the movies that we watch, if we just put in all of those things and we never put in the word of God, how in the world do we expect the power of God to come out of us through our words? Right? It's, it's what we put inside. We need scripture to be in us so that we can bring it to the world. What you put in comes out. Oh boy, I just messed up my notes. Number three, think before you speak. Parents, have you ever said this to your kids? Probably a lot, right? We need to think before we speak. It's simple. But it's so, it's, it changes the way that we live. If we just think, James 1.19, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. There's a progression here. Quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. If you are quick to become angry, it's probably because you are slow to listen. So if you begin to be quick to listen, you will begin to be slow to speak. And you will begin to be slow to anger. Right? We need to think before we speak. So I want to ask you guys these two questions. Number one, what does your tongue say about you? So if I took all the words that you said this week. So Mike, I'm going to pick on you. If I took all the words that you said this week and we put it on the screen. And we highlighted all the bad ones. Right? What would, it, what would it say about us? If we took all the words that we said. So what does our tongue say about our hearts right now? Right? Because this message is, is for everybody. There is not a single person here who's sitting like, I'm good. I say good things all the time. No. None of us are in that position. We all can improve the way that we speak. So what does your tongue say about you? What does it reveal about you? And then second question. What direction is your tongue leading you? Where are you being led by your tongue? You see a lot of people say, man, I'm just sick all the time and I don't understand. I can't break it. I mean, I'm always at the doctor. I'm just always sick. Why are you always sick? 
Probably because you just are declaring over your life sickness. Right? And you hear other people like, I'm just always depressed. I'm just always sad. Woe is me. And, and, and there are perfectly valid reasons why people can struggle with depression. But a lot of times we get stuck in it because it's all we do is speak it over our lives. And, and, and there's, there's two sides of that. Because your tongue can affect other people. But your tongue can also affect yourself. Because I'll be the first to admit, I am pretty good at not saying bad things to people. I'm pretty, I know I struggle a little bit while driving. I need a little work. Uh, but, but for the most part, when they can hear me, um, I am, I'm pretty good. But you want to know where I'm bad? I'm not that good talking about myself. You know, and the thing that I think is so crazy and, and just like blow my mind about what James said is James didn't just say it's about other people. He Related people to being made in God's image. So not only when we talk bad about other people, are we talking bad about somebody that God created. But when we talk bad about ourselves, we are also talking bad about the place where God said, I'm going to create a temple in you where my spirit will reside. I have created you. I have knit you together in in your mother's womb. I am the one who designed you. But yet, if we talk bad about that, how many of you guys have ever went and saw somebody, a work of art in a painting, you just walked up to him, man, that looks like crap. You would never say that because that would horribly offend that person. But when we sit and we say, I'm not worthy, I'm not, I'm not pretty, I'm ugly, no one ever likes me because I'm, I'm, I'm wrong, I'm just not made right. We're looking at our creator and we're, we're saying that to his face about who he created us to be. We, our words matter both externally and internally. And like I said, garbage in, garbage out. This world is going to speak garbage to you about what you look like, about how much money you make, about your status, about every aspect of your life. This world is going to speak garbage to you, but that Bible is going to speak life. So what are we putting in? And you in this equation are just as important as the other people in your life. What are we putting in? You know, we, like this bike, we have the power. We have the Holy Spirit inside of us. The power to go wherever we want. I can do all things through Christ. We have the power to to do whatever God has planned for us in our lives. We have the power, but which direction are we taking it? You know, there's a famous quote that I love to use. It says, relationships are like buttons on an elevator. Some take you up, some take you down. Listen, your words are the same thing. Your words are the same thing. Some of your words take you up, and some of your words take you down. And I'll go even further. Some of your words open doors for other people, for the kingdom of God to come into your life, and some of your words shut doors. So what are our words saying? What do we want them to say? What are we striving to do? Are we going to build God's kingdom or build our own? Who do we want to be? The words that come out of us are the fruit of our heart. And James is saying that the only way to get control of our tongue is to let Jesus Christ have control of your heart. So... I know that this is a heavy, this is a heavy message. 
and it's supposed to be heavy. James wrote it intentionally so that it would be heavy, so that we would look in the mirror and maybe see what's truly going on in our hearts so that we can grow closer to God. And listen, some of us might need to ask for forgiveness in here. Maybe some of us need to go to our kids and say, I'm sorry. I have not been talking to you a way that honors God. I'm inconsistent in the way I talk to you. Sometimes I'm loving, sometimes I'm harsh, and I'm sorry. We all stumble. Or maybe some of us need to turn to our spouse and say, I'm not as loving to you in my speech as I ought to be. I tend to be apathetic, cold, and indifferent. I talk to you harshly. I boss everybody around. I'm inconsistent and inconsiderate. And Ezekiel says, get rid of all your offenses you've committed and get a new heart and a new spirit. So if you would, would you close your eyes? And I want, I want you guys to pray this prayer with me. So repeat this after me. God, I need a heart transplant. I need a new heart and a new spirit. Come into my life. Take control of my life. Yes, Lord, we, we, we come before you, Lord, and we, we say we're not perfect. Lord, that we all need to grow. And Father, I thank you so much that when we come before you and when we ask, Lord, that you hear our prayers. You hear our prayers. And some of us, we are in different situations right now. We're in different situations. Some of us, our tongue is leading us just very much astray. And Lord, some of us can just take steps to grow closer to you. Lord, some of us need to pray, God, I have been a verbal arsonist. I have been struggling with my words, and everywhere I go, I just set fires because of the bitterness in my heart, because of the lostness, the, the, the inadequacy in my own heart, or the hurt. I say things that hurt. I hurt my husband. I hurt my wife, my kids. I say things at work that are unkind. I'm harshest with those that I love. The Bible says that that displays what is inside of me. So, Lord, will you change what is inside of me? And some of us have an overreactive tongue, and we can pray this. God, would you put peace in my heart so I don't have to talk so much? I've been negative. Help me not to be fearful. I tend to brag a lot. Help me not to feel insecure. God, melt the hard heart. And give me a caring heart, a loving heart. Jesus Christ, take control of the rudder of my life and guide me in the direction that you wish. And I want you guys to know, no matter where you're at this morning or this afternoon, that God hears your prayers. That he sees where you're at. He hears you. And he sees your intention to draw near to him. Father, we all need this message, and I pray that we all learn to manage our mouth. Help us, because we cannot do it on our own, Lord, in our own strength. It's only about us, Lord, but we want it to be about you. So, Lord, by your Spirit in our lives, we can have victory. So, Lord, we realize that our tongue can damage, but it also can delight. 
What a great potential we have. Help us to use our mouths and our tongues to bless people. God, help me to use my tongue to bless my wife, to bless my children, to bless the people I work with. God, there is tremendous potential in it. And help my tongue to give light and warmth rather than destruction. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So we are going to move into a time of communion. So I'd ask if you guys would stand with me. And you know, we are moving into the time of Easter where we celebrate this more, but every single time I take communion, it just, it just breaks me of what God had to do for us. James is talking about getting a new heart. And really in every single chapter of James, it's convicting, it's a little condemning, it's a little harsh, it's a little hard to take, but all James is pointing towards is grow closer to God. And it was through this act that Jesus had the Last Supper because he knew he was going to die so that each and every one of us could get a new heart and a new power inside of us. He knew he had to take that step to set us free. So every single time I do communion, I can't help but read this verse. Because it's so powerful to me. It says, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. And he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant of my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. Then he says, for whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. We proclaim his goodness and his life and his love and his joy over our lives. Here at One Chapel, we practice open communion. So the way that it will work, communion is up front. We'll start in the front. You'll exit out the middle side of your road. You'll take the bread and you can dip it in the cup. You can bring it back to your seat and take it whenever you feel led. And you'll circle around the outside. So if you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord of Savior, you can partake in communion with us here this afternoon. So Father, I pray that you bless this communion, Lord. Lord, that you bless this time as we pursue you, Lord, as we give you our heart, as we worship you, God. We thank you that you have set us free. So, Lord, we ask in this place that you give us a new heart and a new spirit. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks again for being here with us today. If God is doing something in your life or you're looking for ways to get connected, we want to help. You can find everything you need online at onechapel.com welcome. You can subscribe to future messages on your favorite podcast player, and you're always invited to services every Sunday morning at 930 and 1130. We'll see you next time.